Hello, everybody, and welcome back again to the Rabid Weasel Podcast. This is episode two. We're going to be covering zombie today. But first introductions, uh, I am Jared, the major horror nerd here. I'm joined with my brother, Justin. Say hello, Justin. Hello, Justin. How are you doing today? (laughs) I'm doing well, buddy. I've got an incredible view this morning, as you know, and uh, had a nice uh, couple weeks since we chatted uh, last on the podcast, and I'm very excited to to be back. So looking forward to another great conversation this morning. Yeah, you two are camping in, where are you? I can never keep track. <laughs> We're in Jackson, Wyoming, uh, Jackson, on the Wyoming. top of a mountain staring at the Grand Teton. Nice. And I am in Taiwan, so they're just getting up and I'm getting ready for bed. <laughs> and <laughs> so we have Justin and we also have my sister-in-law, Mia. Mia, how are you doing? I am wonderful. Checking out these amazing views. Ah, very nice. So today's movie, as I said, was Is Zombie, 1979. This is our first Lucio Fulci film. Uh, And it was Mia's turn to pick the movie. She didn't pick the movie, but she did pick the director. Mia, why did you go with Fulci? You had never actually seen a Fulci film, right? Correct. I've never seen a Fulci film. I think one of the things about picking the film was how strong the visuals are so I remember going you know as nerds that we are which no shame we went to Dragon Con and I love Dragon Con and our first Dragon Con I believe was like maybe 2017 correct me if I'm wrong probably right probably right yeah and we we went to a horror panel that Jared wanted to go to and that was my first experience with Fulci (laughs) and it was so strong that that night I had nightmares of how vivid the imagery was. And so hence why I picked Fulci. Yeah, so three years go by and Mia still remembers that panel. Uh, <laughs> if anyone didn't hear, we were at Dragon Con, which is in Georgia. It's a great convention, about 80, 90,000 people. Uh, the horror track there is incredible. So I drug them to a panel. It was probably 10 o'clock at night whenever they decide we can do adult, more adult oriented. Uh, panels <laughs> and we went to the Fulci panel and we they didn't watch the movie but we we didn't watch a movie but we talked about some of the scenes and obviously it left a pretty big impact on Mia uh so when it came for her to pick a movie uh she decided let's do something Fulci and I'm like okay here we go so I think this movie Zombie is a pretty good place to start for Fulci and let's talk about him a little bit um This movie came out in 1979. I believe he started making movies at the end of the, probably 1959. He made movies throughout the 60s and the 70s. No one really talks too much about his 60s stuff, but um, when you get to the 70s, he made a lot of Jalo films and spaghetti westerns. Uh, And then around 1979, he started going a, a more straightforward horror direction. And we have Zombie, 1979. Now, First, we got to talk about the name because we're calling it Zombie. That's the simplest way. It has several names. It's also known as Zombie 2. So already (laughs) things are pretty confusing. Uh, So I need to explain that. When George Romero's Dawn of the Dead came out in Italy uh, and in Europe, this is an Italian film, if you couldn't tell by the gentleman's name, uh, it was released as Zombie. That's Z-O-M-B-I, no E. So somebody decided, uh, I guess the producers or marketing decided when they released this movie, let's call it Zombie 2, 
basically to trick people into thinking it was somehow related to Dawn of the Dead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty common tactic back then. And actually, this movie had several sequels after it that were in no way related, where people just said, this is Zombie 4, this is Zombie 5. It was an old trick. Uh, you couldn't really get away with that much today, I think. Everyone can go on the internet and tell what they're looking at. Uh, yeah, IMDB, IMDB. <laughs> yeah, at the time, you know, you go to the marquee, it says Zombie 2. Oh, well, I like the first one. Hey, that movie didn't yep. really have anything to do with the first one. <laughs> but, so Zombie, Zombie 2, we'll just call it Zombie. It's also called Zombie Flesh Eaters and about 3,000 other names. <laughs> so it was Flesh probably, Eaters seems appropriate. Yeah, Zombie Flesh Eaters, I think, is a good name for this movie. But, uh, it was probably responsible – well, this movie was a big hit for Fulci, uh, an influence to the direction he went in for many years after that. It was probably responsible for the explosion in uh, Italian zombie movies and some of the more extreme genres like the cannibal films that popped over there. And if you want to see weird stuff, look into some 70s and 80s Italian movies that gets gets really weird. This movie was kind of cool because it was a return to the origin of zombie mythology, uh, which was voodoo. And I'll resist the urge to give an entire lecture about the history of the zombie genre. But basically, it started <laughs> But you're not going to resist. You're not going to resist. <laughs> I'm just going to give a short lecture. Um, it started off with uh, uh, Haitian voodoo. The first zombie movie was actually uh, White Zombie 1931, I think, starring Bela oh, Lugosi. Wow. Yeah. And it wasn't really until uh, Romero came along when zombies became what we know them as today. Uh, but this movie was a return to voodoo, which is pretty cool, I think. Done well. Uh, but it, it's cool mythology, zombie voodoo stuff. Uh, so this was Fulci's first zombie film. As I said, it was a huge hit. It was followed by the Gates of Hell trilogy. And if you think this movie is crazy, those get a lot more crazier. We didn't intend to do two zombie movies in a row. It's not necessarily a zombie podcast, but uh, it's a subgenre that I'm really interested in. So last week we did Reanimator, and in contrast, this is a—they're both zombie movies, but this is a very different movie from Reanimator, don't you think? Very yeah. different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think this is a movie. Whereas Reanimator was a horror comedy, this is a movie almost without humor, except for a few maybe unintentional exceptions that we'll get into. But uh, So there's my little introduction. Um, well, Mia, it was your pick, so this was your first Fulci movie, your first time seeing the zombie. What did you, what'd you think? Yeah, first time. And I think, you know, I haven't seen the rest of the Fulci films, but this movie did not disappoint. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> it had some pretty crazy themes um which you know we'll get to further but it was just a lot of fun i really enjoyed it it you know some of the stunts were pretty cool and you know a lot of the makeup that they used was pretty interesting and so i'm i was i really enjoyed the movie yeah that you touched on some points we'll get to as we go on but justin what about you do you have a, a different take yeah, I uh, I enjoyed the movie. We watched it uh, multiple times. Each time it kind of grew on me. The first time I watched it uh, after uh, after watching Reanimator, um, it's a uh, it's very it's very different than Reanimator. So, um, and we'll get into some of the reasons why. 
I, as you know, I have a bias towards strong characters and uh, overarching narratives. And, um, you know, that's not what Fulci's going for, I don't think, uh, in, in Zombie. But, uh, so, uh, that aside, that's different from Reanimator. The zombies were incredible. Uh, they were very well done. Uh, me and, I mean, I flinched and looked away, and my stomach was turned. And there are some, as I briefly mentioned to you before we started, there are some truly horrifying scenes that if you just... Uh, get over some of the numbness of horror movies. I tried to take just some of the scenes in and it was, there's some truly horrifying scenes in this movie. So I uh, count myself scared and, uh, and really enjoyed the movie. Yeah. Fulci is, uh, I think you guys, this is a good introduction. Like you said, his, his movies, at least from this point on, were not very strong on narrative and the ones that come after this, especially you don't try and make sense of them. Uh, you'll just get a headache. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I actually in preparation for this podcast i rewatched the gates of hell trilogy i rewatched this movie and yeah like i said it just gets crazier and his movies are best approached as like watching a nightmare if you're just experiencing it and not trying to make too much sense of it um that's the best approach i think this one is still sort of in the middle between his older style there's still some narrative to it you can kind of make sense of it but but yeah it's more of a uh, an experience than a story i think is the best way to put it i think that's a really good way of of putting it because there are these scenes that are really you know as mia mentioned earlier you know from dragon con that stuck with her and then showed up in her nightmares and there are some very uh, there's a handful of very vivid scenes from this movie that I don't think I will anytime soon forget. Yeah, and this movie has some notorious scenes. We didn't mention that Fulci is known, we, we kind of brought it up, but Fulci is sometimes called the godfather of gore. His movies really took um, gore and violence to a new level. And, well, we'll get to that, but yeah there's some intense stuff in here so with that i guess we should get into the uh, plot walkthrough um as we already mentioned last time we gave a spoiler warning yeah spoiler warning again today we will be going through the entirety of the plot but as i just mentioned uh the story isn't what's really important here it's the experience of seeing what's happening even if i tell you uh what happens you still have to see it for yourself so yeah mm -hmm. spoiler warning but it's not quite as big of a deal as in reanimator or some other movies so the movie opens with uh, a gun is being held by a man he's hidden in shadows and he raises the gun he points it at the camera and we see what must be a zombie it's wrapped up in sheets and tied with ropes and the zombie begins to sit up very slowly. The man shoots it in the head. Uh, and here you get your first taste of Fulci Gore right off the bat. The camera zooms in. You see blood. You don't just see a hole. You see blood and brains coming out. The camera zooms in and lingers on the wound. The man says, the boat can leave now. Tell the crew. Automatically, you get a pretty good idea of the, what you're getting into. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Mm -hmm. So... Then we have the opening credits, and then an abandoned boat is seen floating towards a harbor in New York City. The authorities go on board to investigate. And now we have to go ahead and talk about probably the worst part of this movie, in my opinion, and a problem that was common in Fulci's films, a lot of Italian films, and that's the dubbing. Did you guys notice this? Oh my goodness, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it came up multiple times as we were watching, actually. Uh, 
across the times we were watching it, it came up, I think, every time, uh, the, the quality of the dubbing. <laughs> yeah, so it, it is an unfortunate problem, um, and it's common in a lot of Fulci's films, a lot of Italian <laughs> films. This was something they just did in a lot of Italian movies. They would record the scenes, and then they would dub them over. Uh, a lot of times, if you had some Italian actors, some American actors, people would just read their lines in whatever <laughs> language they spoke, right? So at the end, they dubbed it all together, and that's your final result. And yeah, it's not always done that well. Uh, there's really so nothing to say about it. Yeah, there's one, there's one thing that came up multiple times that me and I were laughing at, too. The, uh, one of the characters, uh, Brian, I believe, keeps saying conquistadores. Conquistadores. <laughs> conquistadores. <laughs> and it's like such a butchering of how you would actually say it that it's hilarious that even in the dubbing, there's not even coming <laughs> all that close to saying it well. <laughs> yeah, I would like to see a documentary just about the dubbing process because I'm sure there's some uh, interesting stories there. Even when the characters are clearly, the actors are speaking English. It's just not done well, usually. And, mm -hmm. and it was confusing, too, because sometimes it did look like the actors were speaking English, and then sometimes they weren't. Like, sometimes it followed closely along as if the actor was speaking in English, and sometimes, of course, it's just way, way off. Yeah, so like I said, you know, if they're on set, you got some Italian actors. Fulci couldn't speak English. You know, he couldn't even direct people in English. He would just, apparently, he would point at things and say, this way this way you know? <laughs> so uh it's just one of those things where you have uh like i said some people speak one language some people speak another language instead of trying to teach people different languages it's just just read the lines in your language and we'll fix it in post right the old filmmakers cliche fix it in post <laughs> so yeah i there's really nothing else to say about it that's one thing that detracts from these movies um and it's just something you got to get used to, really. Although sometimes it does give the films an almost, it almost adds to the surreal quality. There's just something about the way that all comes together that makes it even weirder of an experience. But yeah, so that's the dubbing. Just, just accept it. <laughs> and, uh, are there versions of just, so I guess there aren't any versions where it's not dubbed because the actors are speaking multiple languages. So there's not like a, an original version for subtitles. It's just dubbed. Yeah, I, I don't know. I need to look more into that. I'm sure there was it was dubbed in Italian too, um, but it's not like the whole movie. You know, with yeah. the Godzilla movies, they're made in Japanese, of course, and then there's an American dub that's or an English dub that's not that great. Um, here, they just recorded the scenes, made a dub for whatever language it was going to be released in, I believe. So, well, but back to the story. Um, so while the officers are investigating on the boat, um, one of the officers is attacked by our first appearance of uh, first visible Fulci zombie. Uh, he is bitten in the neck. Again, you see the gore here. Uh, <laughs> uh, instead of just some blood or bite wound, it's like squirting out like a water hose, which to be fair, if your jugular gets ruptured, uh, that's what it would look like. <laughs> that is what happens. Yeah, I worked in a, a animal hospital for a while, and when you have a bad injury, blood goes everywhere. So, what did you guys think about this this first zombie? He was a big guy. He was a big guy. So, I thought there was a there's a nice scene when the zombie steps onto the deck and is facing New York City, and I, I mentioned to Mia, I was like, oh, that's a nice kind of scene. What I was thinking about as I was reflecting on it this morning 
it's almost a uh, we've already given the spoiler alert right it's almost a bit of foreshadowing that i didn't catch until the most recent until the final time i watched it we watched it last night um because as we know what comes at the end of the movie um uh i don't know how much of it we want to say right now but i got a little bit of foreshadowing there as well yeah it is uh it is good foreshadowing so the officer gets attacked and then the other officer is like stop or i'll shoot and i don't know why you don't just shoot right away the thing's clearly <laughs> a monster <laughs> yeah. uh, but he warns the zombie several times stop or i'll shoot he finally does shoot him and the zombie falls into the uh falls into the ocean and then what you were describing justin the camera kind of tilts upward we see the new york city outline and then we cut away so yeah i thought it was uh very pretty uh and yes, there is some foreshadowing there for sure. Then we meet, um, I had to write down all their names because it's easy to forget the characters' names in a Fulci film. So forgive yeah, us, they, everybody, if we forget the names. <laughs> they are forgettable. They were forgettable names. And in some way, yeah, anyways. Yeah, they were forgettable I only, names. <laughs> I only remember Susan. Susan. Oh, yeah, Susan. we'll get to Susan. <laughs> How can you forget, forget Susan? <laughs> right. I love Susan. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I'm sure a lot of, uh, young men and some ladies, I suppose, uh, also <laughs> love Susan, but anyways, so <laughs> we cut to journalist Peter, one of the main, uh, uh, protagonists of the film. He's being assigned to work on the case. And here's something you guys probably didn't catch when he goes into the office and his editor tells him, Hey, you're on this case now. That is the director. That's Lucio Fulci. Uh, oh, okay. wow. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. Yeah, he's one of those directors who it's kind of his trademark to have little cameos in his movies. So if you watch, he pops up in small roles in all of his movies. So uh, what happens next? Oh, we meet Anne. Uh, Anne is being interviewed by the police. She's on the boat. She confirms that the boat belongs to her father, who she has not heard from in many months. So there you have, I guess... We have some more characters introduced, but those are our two main ones. Uh, Anne and what did I just say his name was? Peter. <laughs> Peter. Can I say something? Uh, yeah, please. Can I say something not important about Peter? Yeah, sure. But fun to this podcast. I thought when I realized it last night. Do you know what his last name is? Oh, I didn't write that down. What was it? Peter West. Peter West. Ah, like Herbert West. Like Herbert West. Yeah. yeah. So to me, uh, yeah, Dr. West, uh, this, there's, a, there's now a common thing across Reanimator and Zombie, which is the last name of one of the main characters. Yeah. Maybe that's the um, least important, least interesting thing for them to have in common. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, good bit of trivia there, Justin. There maybe you go. Name, maybe that's a name that they thought of as American. I don't know. West, that sounds like an American name. Yeah. And, there's another and the last name do. of the person that hired me for my first job and academia was west so there you go there's three okay let's hope they're uh better people than herbert west um, uh definitely <laughs> definitely uh, another name that they really like fulci seemed to really like was bob there's um in the gates of hell trilogy there's two movies both have a character named bob so i guess that's just i don't know an american name so we go to the autopsy. We have two doctors who are looking at the corpse of the dead policeman. They confirm what we already know. He's been bitten in the neck, and that's why he's dead. Uh, but while, they're, <laughs> <laughs> while their backs are turned, the camera zooms in, and we see the corpse's hand begin to move under the sheets. So zombies, if you haven't figured it out yet. That night, uh, Anne and Peter, they both, at the, on the same night, they both sneak on the boat and 
Anne's trying to figure out more about her father. Peter's trying to figure out more about the what's going on with the cop being killed and the abandoned boat. And Peter does kind of a jerk move that's common in horror <laughs> movies. He's like, I'm going to sneak up to somebody in the dark in a scary situation. Uh, he grabs her, uh, puts his hand over her mouth and goes, don't scream. I'm not going to hurt you or whatever he says. Uh, explains what's going on. And Anne is surprisingly calm after that, I guess. But there's a there's a there's cops guarding the ship. That's why he grabbed her. It's like if you scream, we're, we're both gonna get in trouble. So then they make some noise, and this is to me the only intentional funny part of the movie. Uh, they know the cops coming, so they, he's like, "Look, you have to do what I say if we don't want to get in trouble." And do you guys remember what they what they do to not get caught? Yep. Yes, we do. They lay down and act like they're having a nice evening post-dinner <laughs> yeah yeah that's exactly right uh, they pretend to be like this they pretend that they've snuck on the ship to have sex basically and when the officer confronts them they act like they're a bickering couple who are trying to add some excitement to their marriage and the cops goes all right all right just just shut up and get out of here so, <laughs> it's, actually, it's actually pretty clever you know uh, if i'm ever in a situation uh, maybe i can remember that one the cops cops just like oh whatever just go away <laughs> they find a letter uh from her father from ann's father explaining that he has contracted a disease on the island he doesn't think he's going to make it back so he sent this letter and they decide that they're going to go find this island together now the only problem is the island as we find out later is uncharted it's not on any maps it is inhabited but you can't really find it on a map so they have to go searching for it and let's talk about the island's name do you guys remember what the island was called? Matul. Matul. Can we just take a moment to giggle about that? <laughs> it, it's, it's not the name, but when you watch the movie, they keep saying it, and it's it, it made me laugh. Maybe I'm 12 in my head. <laughs> we have to find Matul. We got to get to Matul. Matul. <laughs> Matul. And, yeah, I just want to point that out. It's a funny name, Matul. Uh, <laughs> So uh, so they fly out, um, they meet a vacationing couple, our second group, Susan and Brian, uh, and they talk them into helping them find the island. Before we go there, can we talk about the cab ride? Me and I oh, yeah, yeah, go on, ahead. This, on the cab ride. And they're, go ahead. So they're, they're in the car and they uh, hire the services of a cabbie and they're, they're like, should we go to the hotel? Should we go get a boat? And um, so they're like, uh, let's get the boat. So Peter asked the driver, hey, can you find us a boat? And he's like, oh, you know, finding a boat's really hard. So Peter like gets this wad of cash and uh, like starts essentially, you know, waving it in the cabbie's face saying like, I have money, I have money. And so the, <laughs> the cabbie's like, oh yeah, my friend, take two, Amer two Americans are going out on a, on a, on a boat today. And he's like, okay, thanks. And so they get there. And then when they get there, the cabbie just pulls up, stops. He's like, yeah, they're into, at the end of the pier. Just go, like, go find them. You can handle it yourself. And then asks for more money. Yeah. <laughs> and then he calls him, I forget how he refers to himself, but he's like, you know, did the cabbie not help you? Well, yeah. He's like, yeah, okay, here's some more money. And me and I were both like, yeah, you were extra helpful. <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of uh, – a fun little back and forth with uh, with the local cabbie. 
Yeah, you're right. That is a pretty funny little exchange there. And also, I like the island music. There's just like the short <laughs> yes. period where they're riding around the island, and there's some like happy up the island music playing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So not, yeah, I'm not typifying not stereotypifying uh, islands at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in case you didn't know, they're on an island. You know when that music plays. But yeah, yeah I'm yeah. glad you brought that up because that is kind of a, a one of the other humorous bits in the film where he's like mm-hmm. oh i don't know anything oh you have money well let me help you out <laughs> you have to bribe people to tell you where to find a boat i don't yeah. know and but, brian and susan's response was also i think kind of funny they were like oh not matul the locals and say it's really terrifying there. <laughs> yeah i was gonna get there so um susan and brian they talk them into uh, they talk them into taking them they're like well the natives say that's cursed and i have learned um not to completely dismiss local superstitions, but they take some anyway. Um, so who do we, so we've got our four, those four characters. Then we meet Dr. Maynard, the other main character. He's working on the island as a doctor. He, we first see him trying to radio out, but he can't reach the outside world. Then he has a fight with his wife, who seems to be on the verge of a nervous breakdown. And she accuses him of doing some really horrible things on the island. We learn that he has been treating those with the disease and is studying it. He leaves to go to the hospital. And as the camera zooms into her eyes, we first become aware of the music. But I want to talk about the music. But before we get there, we never really find out what Dr. Maynard has done that's so terrible, that upset his wife so bad. I mean, as far as we know, he's just a doctor trying to help people and doing research. Did that throw you guys off at all? Yeah, I mean, so we we mentioned as we were watching it together that she seemed a bit uh, hysterical. And I I took it as she really, she's seen the zombies, she's terrified, she wants to leave. And so she's just throwing kind of whatever in his general direction because she wants to get out of there. And she thinks Mm -hmm. it's like monstrous that she doesn't get to leave. Um, But yeah, she may also just have like, personal moral taboos towards like trying to do research on the dead. So that might be just in and of itself uh, making her have like a reason to be upset with him. I don't know. What do you think, Mia? Yeah. She, like you said, she seemed very hysterical. She just wanted to get out of there, was picking any fight to really get out of there. And I think as Anybody who was, you know, has seen a zombie or was near zombies would do, would definitely want to get the <laughs> hell out of there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think she, that makes, she wanted out. That makes perfect sense that uh, I think her reaction to all this is perfectly logical. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if the things she's seen, you would want to get the hell out of there, you know. But the first time, the first couple of times I saw this movie, I thought she was implying that he was somehow responsible for mm-hmm. everything. And that, that never goes anywhere, so. Yep. Yeah, I agree. That's yeah. true. It seems she does accuse him of, you know, saying that it's his experiments of some sort, but that's never really explored other than him like looking through a microscope and I think like doing some little experiment later on, but it doesn't really get explored further in the movie. Yeah, but then again, we also know that she's been drinking and taking pills, so that can make you act illogical. Um, don't do those two things in combination, people. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, 
the Rabid Weasel podcast does not endorse alcohol or drug use, but if you're going to do them, don't do them at the same time. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways, let's talk about the music. So the music here is done by, uh, and if anybody out there is Italian, please forgive me for messing up all these names, but Fabio Frizzi, who worked with Fulci a lot. And I think he is one of the most important parts of Fulci's film. The music in this movie is, well, what did you guys think about the movie? Uh, the the music in the movie i thought the music was great i really enjoyed it i the score was really it was a lot of fun and it fit several of the themes and i like how they all changed i really enjoyed the score i'm a big soundtrack person and it definitely gets a thumbs up for me i really enjoyed it yeah i like the the music in particular when the zombies start showing up uh, uh reminded me of playing nintendo games and getting to the boss it's like this kind of dark <laughs> ominous music and uh it was uh it was creepy um and was you know as as i mean maybe not quite as compelling as some of the stuff that comes in some of john carpenter's movies but it was a pretty compelling score i agree yeah i think the score is very important in this film and in a lot of fulci's film and films and i think there's really two main uh musical motifs if you will uh, one is this sort of creepy but energetic soundtrack that happens a lot during the action. And the other one is just this droning uh, tribal drums that mm -hmm. seem to get louder as the movie goes on. You know, as, as things get more and more serious, the, the drums become almost, it's almost like they're getting close to you, like the zombies themselves. And um, yeah, particularly when something really bad is going on, you're very aware of these drums. And yeah, I just think it adds so much to the movie. And the characters themselves seem to be aware of the drums too, at least based on, I guess, Susan and Anne's re reactions. But they all—it also seems to get louder and more intense for them as the the events progress. Yeah, at a certain point in the movie, the the drums are no longer just for us. They actually hear the drums, and you're right; they do comment on it, saying that the the natives are playing these drums, and it's driving them crazy. So yeah. Good observation, but uh, uh -huh, thanks. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I'm learning to be more observant as the movie plays out. <laughs> it only took me four viewings, uh, but yeah. I got there and noticed some things. <laughs> uh, oh, now we're getting to some of the best stuff in the movie, or some of the most fun stuff. So, back on the boat, they're still looking for the island, and Susan asks to take a break so that she can uh, go swimming and do some underwater photography. And <laughs> this is uh okay i'll just say what happens we have some completely unnecessary nudity uh, <laughs> so as, gratuitous <laughs> yeah as susan strips down to nothing but a g-string and scuba gear okay no top she's completely topless and she's not even wearing a bikini bottom she's wearing like a g-string right um, correct yeah and scuba gear and like that little cap to keep her hair dry <laughs> <But> <laughs> So the un sometimes, um, you know, horror movies, particularly exploitation films, are notorious for um, unnecessary nudity. And sometimes it makes sense, like if people are going to have sex, it makes sense to have people naked, right? But this, there, there's no reason for her to get naked at all. And what's <laughs> funny is that Peter and Anne even kind of represent the audience here. They're both looking at each other like, is this really happening? This woman we just met is like getting naked in front of us to go swimming. But her husband, he's just eating his sandwich. He doesn't even seem to notice. So I don't know what's going on there. I thought maybe they were going to set up that Susan is an exhibitionist or something. But no, she just gets naked and 
Uh, we gawk at her for a little while, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the one thing, one one purpose, what's coming serves is in a horror movie. You know, she's gonna die now, right? <laughs> because we've just sort of like the movie's just like sexually exploited her, <laughs> and it is. It's it's done in, so like even the small touches of it. For example, there's an understrap that has to be attached um, <laughs> up to the main part, and like the the film zooms in as she's taking the strap from behind her and pulling it up to her belly button, um, and it zooms right in and just like slowly works its way up, and the camera does that multiple times, and it's like the strap is put there just. It's not supposed to be there. There's not supposed to be a strap there, but it like draws your eyes. Um, it's like the whole point of the strap was to to draw your eyes to her. Um, but it was it was so over the top. Yeah, yeah. It's not that she's just naked. It's like zooming in and close up. It becomes like softcore pornography for a brief yeah. part in the movie. It really does. It and, does. Yeah. That's so funny. And you know, one of the things that I was telling Justin, I was like, "There's a perfectly good wetsuit right next to her." <laughs> but <laughs> you know, but as we all, you know, go take do some underwater photography, we take our top off and strap on our stupid gear around. Oh you know. <laughs> I mean, maybe this was like the sex post-sexual revolution. These were probably 60s kids. Maybe, hey, it's just, I don't know. But anyways, it's not necessary. And to me, it's hilarious. I, I, I love um, unnecessary nudity and horror in any kind of movie. It's just, it's funny when it happens. I just start laughing. Like, there's no need for that. Uh, but anyways, so after that interesting moment in the film, we go to probably the most famous part of this movie and Mia's favorite part of the movie. Mia, I'm going to turn it over to you and tell us what happens next. Perfect. So, as the lovely Susan has strapped on her scuba gear and is heading towards the water, she's taking underwater photography of just corals, and then suddenly there's this huge shark. It's a tiger shark. Now, mind you, tiger sharks are 10 to 14 feet usually, and they're second to great whites really in like attacking people and and so she's taking she's as she's taking photos she sees the shark and she starts fleeing and hiding between the coral and then suddenly there's an arm and a man but not just a man it's a zombie clearly it's a zombie <laughs> underwater and underwater this is zombie. when i and i was like this is when i stopped and i looked at justin i was like no because you know i've, I've never seen like older zombie movies. I've only seen the more updated, um, I guess, newer zombies movies. And to me, I was, a. Uh, my thought was, you know, zombies can't get you in the water, right? <laughs> like, once I would see characters get on boats and they're like, we're safe. The zombies can't, you know, do anything. And then this just completely shatters everything. <laughs> There's a zombie underwater. And then I was thinking, I was like, what like how, how did he get there what you know what what kind of composition is his body in like how is this happening but it they, you know it ensues into a fight underwater fight between susan and the zombie which plays out really well and then she gets away she swims up and she lets the boat crew know that they're oh wait i totally missed that there's a shark whoops 
Uh, the most important part, man. I got so excited. I got so excited. I got so excited. I got so excited. But I forgot about the shark. <laughs> and then anyways, well, well, she goes back. They help her out of the, um, the boat. But you get to see this amazing fight between the zombie and the shark, which was really cool, which it just, it's amazing because it's not CGI. It's com- a complete, like, actual shark. An actual shark fighting a stuntman dressed up as a zombie and so I had to look it up because I thought it was amazing that they would be capable of being able to pull that off and so when I looked at it it was actually to be able to get the shark to do that scene they had to dope him up with tranquilizers and feed him before actually doing the scene and the lovely stuntman and his name is Ramon Bravo he was He's an accomplished diver, photographer, and underwater filmmaker, and he volunteered to be the zombie. And what ensues during their fight, you know, he just takes a bite out of the shark, and they're fighting, kind of like a little dancing and wrestling also. But it's just, and then he takes a bite out of his arm. It was just amazing, amazing to me. I thought that was the best scene in the movie. I was done. It was great. Yeah, that's definitely the most famous scene in the movie. It was actually zombies fighting sharks. You know, for years, people would say, well, was that movie where the zombie fights a shark? And <laughs> it was this movie. And it was actually used, there was a clip from this used in a commercial about 15 years ago for like a, uh, some sort of laptop commercial. I, I wish we could find that <laughs> up. If I, if I can find that, I'll post it on the page. Um, but yeah, that scene was used in a commercial. Who would have thought? But yeah, zombies fighting sharks underwater, the zombies biting the shark, the shark is rips off the zombie's arm. It's all it's a real shark. Now this is the kind of this is why old movies are great. Um first let me say I do have some ethical issues with this scene. As a as an animal lover, I have a degree in natural resources. Um <laughs> there's some not not so great things. Drugging up an animal to make a movie is not good. Um I don't know if this was a wild shark or if it was filmed in an aquarium, but messing with wildlife is a questionable activity. But yeah, all that aside, this is not something you would see in a modern movie. There's no way that they would take a diver in with an actual shark and film them. No. Um, also, Fulci um, apparently did not direct the scene. He refused to participate. I I forget why. I think he just said it was too stupid or he didn't think it would contributes work. nothing to the plot. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't seem to be a Yeah, it doesn't seem to be an issue with Fulci. Things don't need to contribute to the plot for him, I don't think so. Yeah, I can't remember. I think he just said he thought it was dumb or that it wouldn't work out, but he did not shoot this scene. So the producers and um, some of the other people, they hired another director to make the scene and just put it in without his permission. So well, there you go. That's the shark scene. <laughs> so uh, there, there were uh, one of the things that we noticed too was sort of uh, nods, what felt like nods to Jaws. Um, oh yeah, for sure. So when the shark comes at the boat, it like hits the boat and they knock it, uh, knocks everyone kind of over, which felt like a serious Jaws nod. Um, and uh, I was just going to echo too that that the. the the zombie shark fight was pretty wild and um it uh he's actually the zombies 
kind of manhandling the shark at multiple parts in the scene, which is pretty wild. But uh, <clears throat> I also wanted to say that uh, as as Susan discovers the zombie, the zombie also seems to sexualize her at the very beginning <laughs> and is essentially like having her straddle him, um, which just felt like one more way to exploit poor Susan was uh, by the zombie as like his first move uh, after grabbing at her. Yeah. Well, Susan, after all this, I mean, she's very, um, uh, she's very upset when she gets out of the water, but after this, she seems okay for a shark <laughs> yeah. attack and being attacked by <laughs> underwater. I mean, for the rest of the movie until things get crazy again, she doesn't seem that affected, <laughs> but anyway, so that's the shark scene. And this is what I mean when I say spoilers in this movie aren't that important you just have to see this scene us yeah. saying what happens is not enough you got to go see yeah. the shark scene but uh moving on in the plot what happens next oh so we get the first look at the doctor's hospital which i believe it was in a in, that was supposed to be a church yeah it looked like a church to me like a spanish missionary church or something i think is what they're going for yeah but it's really run down and abandoned uh, it's like an abandoned church it's really run down it's kind of gross looking um all the people are almost dead you can tell they're very very sick they're all bloody and they're all tied to their beds so um the doctor's assistant there's a, he has a, a gentleman working for him who is a native of the island tells the doctor in a panic that the natives have begun to abandon their villages and they're all going into hiding so slowly throughout the movie the tension is being brought up in this way um then we get to another good scene the that night the doctor's wife uh, she is at home alone. She, she's showering in what I think Mia called some very conveniently placed mirrors or perfectly yeah, placed Yeah, some very mirrors. strategically Strategic. placed mirrors. <laughs> you know, yeah, I shower with strategically placed mirrors also. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she's taking a shower and, you know, a shower scene, that's, that's something I'd heard of. But there's like two mirrors placed where you can basically see every angle of her. <laughs> at all times so that's, that's another one of those things that's uh, you know the exploitation is, is kind of funny there um but we get some really cool pov pov shots uh, letting us know that she's being stalked by what we can assume is a zombie uh once she realized she's being attacked she locks herself into a room but after while she's barricading the door we get another one of probably the second most uh, infamous scene from this movie next to the shark scene. The zombie smashes its arm through the door. It grabs her by the hair and it starts pulling her slowly towards a shard, a, a, a broken board sticking out like a knife and it pierces into her eye. Uh, <sighs> what did you guys think about that scene the first time you saw it? You didn't know it was coming. I mean, you know it was coming for like a minute beforehand because it drags out. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, the first time um, you're you know, you're kind of caught up in it, and you're like, pull away, like move your head, use your hands, like get out of the situation. So like the the very first time, I'm like just trying to get her to get out of the way, and then like really kind of like taking her back as the scene plays out because it's not CGI; it's you see what looks like it going right into her eyeball and it seems really well done um watching it again last night it was uh it like i cringed my stomach turned and i had to like look away briefly <laughs> it's pretty um it's pretty uh intense 
It is an intense scene. I really, I enjoyed it. It's like, it's a buildup. It's a really great buildup because you know what's going to happen. It, you know, her eye's going to go in there very slowly. <laughs> and you get to see it puncture her eye really well. It's just, it looks like an olive just like popping. It's yeah. crazy. The makeup and effects, you know, it's, they did a pretty amazing job. Yeah, and I should have looked up how that was accomplished because let's take a moment and this movie is 41 years old, okay? The effects mm -hmm. in it are still incredible. And also, let me again say, this is not Bolchi's goriest movie. Um, I'm not sure how they did that scene. Uh, it could have been just something they created. Like, it could have been something like a grape or it could have even been, you know, sometimes they would use farm animal parts it could have been like a cow's eye or something i don't know but um it's a really good example of fulci's brand of gore it's very realistic it drags on it does not cut away at all it shows you everything and this actually became a trademark of his um eyeballs being destroyed from here on out a lot of his movies somebody had to have their eyeball in pills. <laughs> Um, and I think it's the beyond. It happens like four times. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So there was a book uh, written about Fulci called Splintered Visions. So yeah, when you talk about Ooh. Fulci, people who know him, the first thing they say is, what's the deal with him and eyeballs? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so she's dead. Uh, the group, so the, the four protagonists, our group, they arrive at the island, but their boat was damaged by the shark. <laughs> Okay. Uh, <laughs> again, knowing a little bit about animals as I do, uh, some of the stuff with the shark cracks me up a little bit. But okay, the shark rammed the boat and hurt their boat somehow. Um, so they realize, look, if we try and leave here, we might not make it to the next island. So they fire off some flares for help. The doctor goes to investigate, and the doctor has just had to shoot his friend who turned into a zombie. And while he goes to investigate, his assistants toss the body into a mass grave. That's a pretty intense visual, isn't it? All these bodies tied up in, in a grave. And you can tell they're really overwhelmed by what they're dealing with. Then the doctor goes, he meets the travelers, he picks them up in his Jeep, and he explains to Anne what happened to her, her father. We've already kind of worked it out by now. He was turned into a zombie by the disease, and the doctor had to shoot him, and that explains what happened, what we saw at the beginning of the movie. We basically see that scene again without all the shadows. The doctor goes back to the hospital and they send the group, uh, he sends the group to check on his wife. Uh, he, is, he meets his friend who was bitten by a zombie and his friend tells them that look, the zombies are really close now. They're in the village and they're coming here. Um, and then we cut to, uh, it's a short moment, but it's one of my favorite parts of the movie. We just cut to a single zombie He's walking in the abandoned village, and it's a beautiful but really scary scene, isn't it? Do you remember what I'm talking about? It's just that one zombie walking. Yeah, the and there's like we mentioned, there's like donkeys kind of along the road, uh, kind of mixed in with the zombie, and uh, yeah. And there's yeah, the one. Is that the one with the like side of his face is very uh, bloody and kind of? Me and I were talking about that particular image. It looked kind of, I forget the way she put it, but. Uh, kind of waxy um, waxy yeah yeah and uh yeah it is it's kind of beautiful and terrifying and we get a, more of that i think later with a couple of zombies walking in the street with oh, yeah. we'll uh, there. some terrifying looks on their faces too um. yeah. so to me the scariest stuff in this movie is just the zombies look so good sometimes when you cut to them it is creepy even mm -hmm. though you know you're just you know you know it's just makeup 
um, and prosthetics or whatever, but it's creepy. And seeing Fulci had a great eye for visuals and, of course, for atmosphere. So seeing the zombie kind of walking through this village uh, with the wind blowing and it's abandoned, it's just great stuff. Um, right now we're at about the one hour mark, and I want to stop here because did you, I think you said this earlier, Justin, the pacing of this movie, did you guys feel the first time you watched it that it was a little slow, at least up until this point? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's definitely slower, um, it's slower than reanimator and maybe it's supposed to be, but yeah, it, it was, it was slower. I didn't care as much about the characters. So when there's like dialogue built, you know, character building, I don't care that much about these particular characters. Um, I like that it was slow. I mean, I like that it kind of draws out some of the scenes, but yeah, it did feel like it was uh, a bit slower. Yeah, I think that, oh, were you going to say something, Mia? Yeah, I was just going to agree with Justin that it does feel like they're a little bit slower, but I actually enjoy the long, drawn-out scenes, like the, well, you know, where she's getting her eye poked out. It was a long scene, it was drawn out, but to the effect, it had an amazing effect. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, uh, I love it. I love 70s style movies. I love the pace where you kind of are drawn in slowly more. But for the average viewer who's used to um, used to Hollywood films, especially modern uh, films, yeah. it, it will probably be a little slow for you. But I think after this point, things really take off. You know, we're in the last yeah. half hour. So, um yeah, maybe a little slow. I like it. Some people will probably not like it. But after that, it really picks up. Next, they are a group of people. They go to the doctor's house. And in one of the goriest parts of the whole movie, they find his wife is not only dead, but she's being torn apart and feasted on by an entire group of zombies. Mm -hmm. um, and that is probably, I don't know this for sure, that's probably real guts there, not human guts, but they probably used, um, you know, butcher parts. That was something they would do sometimes in movies. So what you're looking at, it looks realistic because it probably is real. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't Ugh. know the fact about this scene, but a lot of times, and that is something a trick they would use. They would use actual body parts. So well, it was it was really uh, like believable and. It, they also do the same thing again where they really zoom in on her. So you get the full kind of the full experience. Um, but yeah, it looks like real, it looks like real intestines. And the other thing that uh, one of the, there was a part here in the scene that I thought was particularly kind of horrifying. I, I don't really know why it, uh, it struck me, but, one of the zombies is kind of like kneeled next to her, picks up a glob of like her intestines, kind of looks at it, kind of eases it towards its mouth and then eats it just like it was normal food, you know? And I think it was because the zombie treated it like such just like a, like a meal. It wasn't even like, it was like, you know, a lot of times these zombies are just like diving in and this zombie's kind of like enjoying its kill or enjoying its spoils kind of vibe which was really creepy <laughs> yeah that's why why i use the word feast it really does look like a dinner scene except mm -hmm. instead of mashed potatoes and chicken it's a torn apart human being so, yeah yeah right. i don't know 
I don't know if you guys noticed, actually, one of the zombies was like really chill in the bag, just pushing her hair away from her face while she was eating. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't catch that either. (laughs) I'll watch for that next time. Um, But uh, so they have to fight their way out of the house. And again, there's a a creepy moment here where um, these guys are smart. There's like, uh, let's get the hell out of here. Uh, but as they're going towards the door, they're surprised by two zombies. That that moment startled me a little bit because those are creepy looking yeah. zombies. Um, that one has a something about the angle of its neck or something is really creepy. But anyways, they fight their way out of the house. Um, they get back in the jeep. Back at the hospital, uh, the doctor has apparently had to shoot everybody. Did you guys catch that? Yeah, yes. yeah, everyone's dead. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like he has just shot everybody. So the group, though, they crash the Jeep after hitting a zombie, and they have to walk the rest of the way, uh, even though poor Peter has shattered his ankle. Um, so he is oh. a hobble. Yeah, that was pretty brutal. Um, yeah. And then the and, zombie. Oh, yeah, God. yeah. Sorry, get there, get there so I get mad. <laughs> <laughs> so next they have to, Peter says, look, I got to take a rest. So they sit down. But unfortunately for them, they have stopped in an old conquistador grave, graveyard. And sure enough, shortly after them sitting down, the dead begin crawling out of their graves. And it's done really well. They actually look like they're coming out of the earth. Mm-hmm. And tell us what happens, Justin. <laughs> uh. Well, so the first thing that happens is Peter and Anne sit down to rest and Brian and Susan walk ahead. And if you could see me, I'm putting walk ahead in quotes because they take like five steps uh, around a corner and sit down and everyone's resting. And then as you say, the the zombies, um, the conquistadores are coming back, uh, are coming up. And what do they do? But they grab... Peter's ankle, and they grab uh, Anne by the hair, and it's looking like, you know, it's going to be bad for them, but when they, like, grab his ankle and squeeze, because you've already, you can see, like, that it's got a gash in it, and the, the zombie's just, like, pulling on it, and it, oh, it just hurts me, um, and um, so, uh, but then Brian runs in and gets the zombies off of them, but while he's doing that, I don't, I, I, I'm not really sure I should tell uh, how we lose poor Susan. Would you like to tell that part? <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So one of them gets Susan, and she is killed very quickly. She also has a super slow moment, too, where she's like slowly turning, slowly turning, and then the zombie's there, and she like just freezes up. Yeah, there's a few points in this movie where someone is confronted by a zombie and it's an old horror cliche where they just freeze with fear, you know. Now, I have never, I don't know, I guess maybe someone would react like that. I think if you see something, what usually happens is when you see something horrible, you just start running. But, um, yeah. Yeah, fight or flight kicks in and I think you flee usually, but we do see poor Susan just kind of, at which it's one of those long drawn out scenes as well, I think, uh, where you see the conquistador coming from the ground and he still has dirt and then he slowly rises and Susan is just struck with so much fear. She stands there and then we lose poor Susan. Yeah. And of course her husband sees her and uh, he's like, we can't just leave her here. And 
they're like, uh, she's dead. We got to go. <laughs> kind of harsh, but. Uh, they don't linger very long. They, uh, no, they're like, they take uh, out they're zombies. Quickly. We got to go. And these zombies, you know, if you thought the zombies and the rest of the movie were good, these are some of the best in the movie. And really, I think some of the best movies of zombies of all time. They're, um, they're, they've been underground for a long time and they are incredibly decayed. And there's like, Pulchy grossness. There's there's worms falling out of their eye sockets. All kinds of crazy stuff. That main one with with the worms. I had that on a T-shirt. I used to wear it to college. People uh, probably wondered about me. But <laughs> yeah, that's a very famous zombie. I think it looks incredible. But, yeah. Um, so they're pursued through the night. It's getting dark now. But eventually they make it to the hospital and they tell the doctor, "Look, we're surrounded now." They start to barricade themselves in. And here is, to me, the scariest point in the movie. We cut outside to shots of all the zombies just kind of walking in the night. And there's mm. one zombie in particular that just really freaks me out. It's, do, you, do you know the one I'm talking about? It's like cross-eyed or something? Yeah, it's a woman, and her eyes are kind of crossed. It, like, zooms in right on her face. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, something about the, the combination of the makeup, the camera angle, the lighting. It's just, uh, even watching it, again for the fourth or fifth time that's one creepy looking zombie um, yeah so we're at the it's final. truly like it's horrifying i mean yeah. you know there's a couple scenes that I, I mean this is what Fulci's famous for but that that one with the zombies is like as you're taking it up as you're taking it in it's horrifying i mean they're kind of stumbling towards you know they're stumbling towards the uh hospital you can take in the whole kind of creepy moment you know our characters are kind of getting surrounded and then the looks on their faces of the zombies. I mean, it's uh, the individual zombies are as scary as any individual zombies I've ever seen. Yeah, for sure. And it, it's a part of a zom- any good zombie movie has to have the scene where they're just all slowly closing in. Mm-hmm. So it's great stuff. But we're at the end of the movie now. Um, uh, they barricade themselves in. They get ready to fight. They get guns. They get Molotov cocktails. Uh, every zombie fight, you've got to have Molotov cocktails. <laughs> and um, I'm not going to go through everything that happens in, in this ending here, but I think, did, did you guys like the ending? I, I thought it was really well done. This final battle. Yeah, I like the, I like the final battle. I mean, it's, um, it's done in like a, an intense way. Like you said, the, the tempo really picks up. They do a, a nice job with all the fire scenes. It looks realistic. Um, so yeah, I think it's I think it's well done. You know, we lose a couple more characters here at the end, um, but uh, yeah, I thought the final battle scene was big and dramatic. And you know, to Fulci's credit, just like with the zombies, you feel like you're stuck in the in the little church uh, slash hospital with them as they're continually lighting up all the you know all the cocktails uh, to burn it down. Yeah, I agree with Justin. It was gore, it was suspense, it was Molotov cocktails, it was zombies coming up from the roof, which I didn't understand how they got up there, but that was really great. I enjoyed it. Uh, We lost a lot of characters real quick, Uh, but it was, I think, a really good final boss fight with the zombies. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was awesome. It's very tense, a lot of action. They've got the main group of zombies coming in, and then they've got there's some people in the, the building who have turned to zombies and then they've got some sneaking in the side. So they're kind of at all angles. 
Um, there's only have one problem with this scene, and that's at first, there's some really good fire stunt work here uh, with people on fire, and uh, sometimes I think they're putting uh, puppets on fire. Um, the whole building goes up in flames pretty much, but the first few times they throw the cocktails, the fire disappears in between throws. Did you guys notice that? <laughs> I didn't catch that, um, but uh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, I didn't that's catch that either. That's something you notice just when you watch a movie several times. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, the first few throws, the Molotov cocktails, when they go to the zombies, the fire disappears. <laughs> anyways, it comes back. So, uh, yeah, that's the big fight. It's, it's great stuff. Um, the movie, we're at the end of the movie now, and we only have... Only two people really survive to the end of the movie, uh, and that's uh, Amy and Peter. And um, oh goodness, was it Brian? I've already forgot his name. Yeah, Brian. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, it was Brian. <laughs> Brian uh, has been attacked. Was attacked by one of the zombies, and he gets sick. So he makes it to the boat, but he dies on the boat. And they say we're gonna. And take not just any zombie, right? Oh, he's yeah, like yeah, uh, it's Susan. Yeah. It's Susan. And he just like yeah. freezes up and then she Yeah, another one of those just freeze and stupid things happen. He he is confronted by his now zombified wife and he's so startled that uh he freezes and she manages to bite him before they kill her. And uh, so yeah, he gets sick. Um but they take him back with him anyways because they're like, Look, no one's gonna believe what has happened to us unless we have him with us. But this is a Fulci movie. So it has the end on a very dark note. Um, they manage to get on the radio and they hear uh, some news broadcasts from New York. And we learn that New York is now overrun with zombies. The last thing we see, we cut to New York and there's zombies walking around the city. And then the movie ends. All hope is lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that end scene is pretty dark there where, and, and striking when the zombies are kind of walking down the bridge in New York and the cars are all kind of going the opposite way, trying to, I guess, get out. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of, kind of beautiful and uh, dark there at the end. Yeah. It's a very, very downer because you have characters who survive all this and they're going back to society, but society is now destroyed. Mm -hmm. um, although I do want to talk about that last shot. Um, if you watch, uh, this wouldn't probably wouldn't happen in a modern movie, but they managed to get the bridge but the, they couldn't spend the money to block off the the bridge below where the cars are. So mm -hmm. if you watch, a lot of the cars are actually heading back towards the city. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. yeah. They just, uh, if I was shooting that scene, uh, not that I could do better than Fulci, but maybe they should have um, shown it to where you couldn't see the cars because if you're paying attention, you can tell traffic's actually just kind of going like normal. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, well, there are a couple things like that that are certainly the you know budget issues. Uh, the same thing with not having actors and actresses that speak the same language, for example. Um, that seems to be in part kind of a, a budgetary issue as well, yeah. And that's just part of uh, the fun of filmmaking, you know, learning uh, the stories behind certain shots and catching these little, these little aspects of the movie, little flaws. But that's zombie, so we're at the end here. Um, a couple last things to say. There was a sequel to this movie, uh, but Fulci only directed about half of it. That's a long story. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it was a terrible movie. I, I 
and I don't say that a lot. You guys know me. I usually like movies. Um, uh-huh. This one, I don't recommend anyone watch it unless you just want to see something really, really bad. Um, wow. Fulci didn't finish the movie. They brought someone else in. Only about half of the final movie is him. So there's some good parts in it, but it's put together with a lot of crap. So yeah, don't see the sequel to this movie. <laughs> Uh, we already mentioned it earlier, but after this, Fulci made a few more zombie movies, the Gates of Hell trilogy, which, as I said, if you thought this movie was intense, Fulci gets more crazy after this, for sure. Um, let's see here. Oh, there's a, a comic book line called Ibon Comics, and named after a book in one of the Fulci movies, and where they continue the stories in comic book form. If anybody wants to check that out with that, we're pretty much done. Any last thoughts? Anything we didn't get to about the movie, Justin, Mia? I think we covered pretty much everything. Um, I I would uh, I would also recommend this one, like we said at the beginning. It's different. I think Reanimator maybe it has some some pretty graphic scenes, so it's definitely not for everyone. But I think people who enjoy just uh, regular movies would enjoy the story arc of it. This is a you really got to sit in and kind of invest in this one. I think, um, but it's. It's worth the artistic, I mean, it's worth the investment for the payoff if you want to be frightened, if you want to have some strikingly visual, you know, striking visuals that stay with you. Um, so if you're open to those kind of things, I, I think people should check it out. Um, and uh, I hope we get back to Fulci again. I want to see how crazy he can get. Um, so yeah, that, I pretty much caught it. And uh, it's, uh, it, is, it is the film it is. So I think people should check it out. Yeah, I agree. I think we should definitely, anybody should definitely check it out. I think, I mean, let alone just for some of the amazing makeup and effects work and for that amazing shark scene. Yeah, so I think this is a good place to start for full G. This is not a beginner's horror movie. Um, <laughs> you don't want to start with this one because it, it gets pretty intense. It can be yeah, very, very gory, very intense movie. And like Justin was saying, you want to really let yourself soak into this movie. Don't have it on in the background. Don't mess around on your phone. Just really watch this movie and get involved. But with that, um, we're pretty much at the end here. So next episode, uh, I picked the first one, Reanimator. Mia picked Fulci for this time around. And Justin, tell us what we're going to be covering on the next episode. Yeah, so thanks for letting me have an opportunity to pick as well. Um, I've been... Uh, so the movie's Frankenstein, the original Frankenstein, I believe 1933. Is that right, 31, Jared? 31. Ah, so close. <laughs> and uh, it's considered one of the earliest kind of science fiction horror movies. Uh, and it also covers the classic work by Mary Shelley, Frankenstein. Um, and I have been doing uh, a lot of reading and thinking about science fiction lately. And I thought watching having an excuse to watch the original uh, science fiction horror in Frankenstein would be a lot of fun so that's our that's our next one. Oh yeah I'm looking forward to this I love the Frankenstein movies We're, we've been kind of stuck in well not stuck but these last two movies they've been around the same time period so we're going back to something old something classic uh, if you get a chance watch the movie before we get to the podcast read the book it's an incredible book uh, it's public domain you can get um, I'm actually listening to a uh, audiobook of it right now in preparation uh justin if they want to know more about uh you and your research and where can they learn more about you and your work 
Yeah, so um, you can find me on the Texas Stadium's Bush School website. You can uh, you can Google me, um, believe it or not, and uh, Justin B. Bullock, and um, that will show you my uh, Google Scholar page, which is where all my academic work is. Um, there's a few things we have going on at the Bush School uh, related to my research. You can find that on the website, and then uh, on my podcast as well both public problems where we're reposting these as well and on bush school on court i am hiding from social media these days maybe with an occasional twitter uh uh tweet but other than that those are those are the ways you could track down my work right now mia do you have anything you want to promote <laughs> um well i don't have a website and i do not have scholarly articles but i do have my dog's instagram so if you want to go follow clummy bear you should totally do that <laughs> uh, yeah now we're gonna have a bunch of strangers following your dog's instagram it's, dog. it's okay it's okay she's the cutest boston terrier so yes okay so check out um their dog it is a cute dog uh, <laughs> mia you should get a podcast talking about like studio ghibli or something i don't know oh yeah i would love uh, that i'm yeah. anime obsessed i love japanese things and i would just love that you know what maybe soon we can get to some uh japanese horror or even some animated stuff but um uh, That'd yes, be fun. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, it'll be your turn to pick soon. So, uh, other than that, uh, pretty soon these podcasts are, as Justin said, on his page. Pretty soon we're going to have our own page. I think uh, the podcast will be posted on both of our pages. And I'm working on getting an actual website together to have everything. But as of right now, please check out our Facebook page, uh, Rabbit Weasel Reviews Facebook page. I do written reviews there every Friday. And I actually got to post um, today's before I go to bed. Other than that, any last words, anybody? Looking forward to the next one. All right. Very excited. Well, thanks, guys. That was fun. I look forward to talking about Frankenstein with you. And goodbye, everybody. <laughs>